Hello and welcome to the Fantastic Fables Podcast with your host, Addie Hurston. Hello and welcome. I am Addie Hurston. I am a storyteller and today I'm going to share the odyssey by homer with you in my own shortened condensed version (laughs) but first a quote from john barth everyone is the hero of his own life story and our tale begins on the land of ithaca Ithaca was a small little island off of Greece, and on it there lived a young man named Odysseus. Odysseus was very strong and fearless. As a youth, he would go all around his little island and hunt. One day he was out, and a wild boar set upon him and bit at his leg, tearing the skin off of his knee. He defeated the boar and then went home, where his nursemaid tended the wound and repaired it. This did not deter Odysseus, though. The very next day he went out hunting again. And over time, he worked on his skills so that he became the best archer in all of Greece. He would line up axes with their tips in the ground, and then he would take his bow back, shoot the arrow straight at that line, of axes and knock them all over at once. Well, time passed and Odysseus, like most young men, decided that he should get married. His parents expected it of him. He was to be the ruler of his little island once he came of age. But... He didn't know who to marry. He had heard that on the mainland there lived a woman named Helen. And Helen was the most beautiful woman in the world, it was said. So Odysseus went to her family's home, traveling across the little sea. And when he got there, he bowed before her and proposed marriage but she would not have him. Helen would not have Odysseus because she was already in love with someone else. And that man who she loved, his name was Paris of Troy. 
sadly for Helen, though, her father did not want her to marry Paris, because Paris lived far away, across the ocean. He wanted for her to marry King Menelaus. And so that is what Helen was forced to do. Shortly after marrying King Menelaus, though, Helen decided to run away. In the middle of the night, she and Paris escaped the land of Greece. Then they got in a boat, traveled over the Mediterranean Sea until they arrived at the land of Troy. Troy was a big castle fortress of a town. And once they were inside those walls, Helen and Paris felt safe. King Menelaus, though, was very angry. Very angry indeed that his young wife had been stolen away. He declared war on Troy. And he told all of the men of Greece, including Odysseus, that they must all join him in battle across the sea. Odysseus, however, he had gone home. He had fallen in love with a young woman named Penelope. She was a good, kind, soft-spoken woman. He had known her for quite a while, but had not noticed her beauty. But having traveled to the mainland and then returning, he realized that no one was as wonderful as she. She would make the best wife for him. So Odysseus married Penelope. And he built a wing off of the family home as a special bedroom for her. And in it, he took a tree and built it into the walls and into the bed so that when she lay there sleeping, it was as though the branches of the tree were embracing her. It was a unique work of art, this bedroom. And Penelope was very thankful to have it as a gift for their wedding. They had also been blessed with a son, whose name was Telemarchus. When Odysseus got the call from King Menelaus to go and war in Troy, he was not happy. He did not want to leave Penelope and his young son, Telemarchus. He wanted to stay home on Ithaca. The Greek soldiers came to gather him up and he decided to pretend that he was insane. He got out his plow and began to plow the fields on the rocky hillside backward. But the Greek soldiers, they looked at Odysseus, and they looked at his young wife and his son, and they knew what he was really up to. And then they picked up that baby, and they put the baby 
in the way of the plow. Of course, Odysseus stopped so as not to hurt his child. Ah, they said, you are not crazy after all, are you? No, I'm not, said Odysseus. You must join us, said the soldiers. All right. All right, said Odysseus. But if I join you, I want to bring my own ship, and I want to bring my best men, my best friends with me. You may do that, the soldiers said. So the next day, Odysseus took his largest ship and all of his best friends with him. They said goodbye to Ithaca and pushed off into the Mediterranean Sea, crossing over to the land of Troy. Now when they got there, they found many other Greek soldiers standing guard outside of this castle, but no one could get through the walls or the front door. The people of the city were trapped inside, and the Greek soldiers, they just sat waiting outside. There was a stalemate. Sometimes the Greeks would shoot up arrows boom, 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 through the windows, and then arrows would be shot back down boom, 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 at them. One day, a tragedy happened. There was a special Greek soldier named Achilles. Now, Achilles was said to be invincible because when he was a baby, his mother had taken him to the river Styx, the river of death, held him by the ankle, and then dipped him into the water of that river. And everywhere that the River Styx's water had touched on his skin was like a shield that no piece of metal could penetrate. And yet one day one of the Trojan soldiers shot a poisoned arrow down at the Greeks and it happened to hit the exact spot on Achilles' heel where his mother had held him to dip him in that river. It was the one spot where he was vulnerable. Achilles died, and the Greek soldiers were very sad. The stalemate between the Greeks and the Trojans went on for nine years. Nine years Odysseus was away from his home. And finally one day he went to the shores and he sent up a prayer to Athena, the goddess of wisdom. And he said, Athena, We've got to get out of this war. I want to go home. What can we do to make it end? And she told him. Odysseus immediately went 
to the other Greek soldiers with the plan. Soon they had built a large wooden horse. And they took their ships and hid them round in a bay close by. Then the Greek soldiers opened a trap door at the bottom of the horse crawled inside and shut the door. In the morning, the Trojan people woke up, yawned and stretched, looked out their windows, and they did not see the Greeks. The Greeks were gone. Helen and Paris thought, they've given up. They've given up. We are free. We can exit the building. Oh, this is wonderful. And not only that, the Greeks had left this large wooden horse as a gift for them. Well, they immediately went out and then pushed that horse up the hill, up the hill, into the gates of the castle. And then they had a glorious party. They drank, and they ate, and they sang, and they danced, and they were so happy that the war was over. And that night, all the people of Troy fell in their beds in a happy sleep. It was then that the Greek soldiers opened the door at the bottom of the wooden horse, crept out and then defeated the people of Troy who were unarmed and unprepared. Paris was killed. Helen was sent back on a boat across the sea to her husband, King Menelaus. The Greeks departed the land of Troy. Odysseus and his men were very happy that the war was over. They got back on their ship, and Odysseus opened up a special bag that someone had given him. In it were the four winds the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, and the west wind. He opened just a tad, just enough to let the west wind out. And it pushed at the sails of their boat. Odysseus and his men relaxed and went to sleep for the night secure in the thought that they were headed home. But one of Odysseus's men had seen that little bag, and he thought the way Odysseus held it in secret, it must be something very special. It must be something unique, 
What could it be? That friend of Odysseus then crept down to where he was sleeping, got the bag, and telling himself he would just peek in, just see what was there, and then close it again. The young man opened the bag, and out blew all four winds that confused the sails of the boat. The boat turned this way and that way and this way and that way, topsy-turvy, until... The north wind, the strongest wind, pushed them in that direction. When Odysseus and his men woke up, they were not on their homeland of Ithaca. Their boat had settled on a strange island. This island had plants, vegetation that was unlike anything they'd ever seen before. Odysseus saw a herd of sheep running up the hill. Oh, I'll go get a sheep for us to eat, said Odysseus. It will tide us over until we get back home. He hopped out of the boat, telling his men to stay there. And then it was in the sand that Odysseus saw the footprint. The footprint was shaped like that of a man, but it was enormous. It was so large that Odysseus could have lied down inside it, and his head and his feet would not touch the beginning or end of that footprint. It was the footprint of a giant or some strange monster. Oh, I, I, I think I'd like to get out of here as quickly as we can, thought Odysseus. But he saw that sheep, and they were all very hungry, so he climbed up the hill, got ready to grab a sheep when round the bend came. Thump, 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 thump. The monster known as the Cyclops. The Cyclops... was very large, and he had only one eye at the center of his forehead. He looked with that eye at Odysseus and said, Ah, you're stealing my sheep, eh? Ha! Well, I think I'll steal you. And the Cyclops grabbed Odysseus and stormed, thump, 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 into the monster's cave. And then the Cyclops took a boulder, a big, large rock, and pushed it in front of the mouth of the cave like a door, so that Odysseus could never get out without the help of this Cyclops. Well, said the Cyclops. You thought you were going to eat one of my sheep, but guess what? Now I am going to eat you for dinner. Oh! Oh no, said Odysseus. Well, if, um, if this is to be my last moment on earth, 
Let's have a drink together, said Odysseus. Here, give me your glass. And then Odysseus poured a drink from a flask for both the Cyclops and himself. The Cyclops drank the drink. And Odysseus, he pursed up his lips and only pretended to drink. The Cyclops fell down to the floor asleep. Odysseus didn't waste any time. He jumped up. He ran to the fire. He got a big stick that was protruding out of it. The tip of it was red hot. And then he ran over to where the Cyclops was and stabbed the Cyclops in the eye. (gasps) The Cyclops roared in pain, standing up. And he grabbed at the air, but now the Cyclops was blinded. Odysseus backed up, and he went to where in the corner there was several of the sheep. And he got down on the belly of one of the sheep and held on tight. The Cyclops moved his hand over the top of the sheep. Ah, where are you? Where are you? Nowhere, said Odysseus. The Cyclops pawed more. What is your name, you foul creature? My name is nobody, said Odysseus. Oh, the Cyclops, finally giving up hope of finding Odysseus by himself, pushed the rock out of the way of the door. And then the Cyclops called out to his fellow Cyclopses on the island for their help. He said, Help me, help me! Nobody has hurt me. Nobody has blinded me. I can't see. Help, help. But hearing this cry, the other Cyclopses thought, Well, he's gone crazy now for sure. And they did not come to his aid. Meanwhile, Odysseus held on tight to the belly of that sheep, and the sheep ran out of the door of the mouth of the cave, Cyclops did not notice or know as Odysseus fell to the ground and ran down the hill, jumped on the ship, and they all pushed off as quickly as possible. And then Odysseus felt he just had to say something to that horrible Cyclops monster. He turned and he yelled, Cyclops! If anybody asks you who took your eye, don't tell them it was nobody. Tell them it was I, Odysseus of Ithaca. Oh, Odysseus, you have tricked me, said the Cyclops. But I will have my revenge, for my father is Poseidon, god of the sea, and he will see to it that you will never return home. Odysseus and his men became very uneasy as the ship pulled away from the land and rocked beneath the waves of the sea. 
Poseidon did hear the cry of his son, and then he took that boat and flung it quickly across the water to the land of the sirens. Odysseus saw the cliffs ahead of them, and he knew what they were. He had only heard from others the stories of how the sirens, these beautiful women, would cry out music from the cliffs, and then sailors would be drawn to them, want to hear them, want to see them and touch them, and then those sailors would crash into the cliffs. This cannot happen to our boat, said Odysseus. Here, men, get some fabric and stuff your ears with it so that you cannot hear the cries of the sirens. And then Odysseus thought for a moment and he realized, but I want to hear them. I want to know what they sound like. I've always wondered. Here, tie me to the mast of the ship and do not let me free, no matter what I do or say, so that I may hear their music. Okay, said his men. They tied Odysseus to the mast, and the men rowed past the cliffs as quickly as they could. And when Odysseus heard the music of the sirens singing, he longed to go to them, and he cried out, and he tried to yank himself away from the mast, but his men did not let him go. Finally they passed the cliffs, and then Poseidon put a whirlpool into the water, like a funnel. The air shot down straight to the bottom of the sea. In a swirl, the ship went round and 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 round until the ship broke into two. Odysseus managed to grab hold of a piece of wood. He looked about, floating on top of the water. He could see none of his friends. His boat was gone. Oh no, thought Odysseus. Oh no. My friends are all, all dead, drowned in the sea. I'm so sorry. And he laid his head down on that piece of wood, thinking he was not worthy to live any longer. For he had talked his friends into coming with him on this journey. If it were not for him, they would all be living happy lives right now. Instead, he had put them through war, and now this. Athena, the goddess of wisdom, heard Odysseus crying.
and she scooped him up out of the ocean. She plopped him down on the shores of his own homeland, Ithaca. She said, Odysseus, Odysseus, everyone makes mistakes. Now you are home. Oh, I can't believe it, said Odysseus. I, I, I can't believe it. Here, I'm going to go up to Penelope right now. Thank you, Athena. Thank you. But wait, said Athena. Wait. You mustn't just barge in there. Why not? Well, Penelope has now gone almost twenty years without seeing you. And in that long length of time, she would practically have forgotten what you look like. Many men have been courting her and trying to get her to marry them. They've been eating their food and taking advantage of Penelope's poor situation. Your son, Telemarchus, he is now a young man. He will not recognize you either. Well, what shall I do? said Odysseus. You must go disguised. Dress yourself as that of an old man. And then she whispered in his ear what he must do. Then Athena vanished into thin air. Odysseus walked up to the castle. And he found his nursemaid, the one who all those years ago had helped him dress the wound from the wild boar. He pulled her aside and said, it is me, it is I, Odysseus, look. Odysseus showed her the scar on his knee. <gasps> oh, my baby boy, she said, embracing him. Oh, I can't believe it's you, my darling. Yes, but now we must convince Penelope and Telemarchus of who I am. The nursemaid went and got Telemarchus and introduced him to his father. Penelope, however, would be harder to convince. They went into the great hall together. Penelope sat on her little throne, looking sad. She rose. My suitors, she said, I'm going to go work on my tapestry now. When are you going to finish that thing? said one of them. We want for you to pick one of us to marry. It's taken long enough. When I am done with this tapestry, I will make a decision. I promise. 
Now, Penelope had been secretly working on the tapestry by day and then pulling out the little bits of thread at night so that she would never be finished with it. And this is the way she would stall her suitors. Telemarchus and Odysseus stepped up to Penelope. Odysseus said, I wish to court you, ma'am. All right, said Penelope. But let's have no more of this tapestry business. Here, let's have a competition and see which one of us is the best archer. The best archer, said Penelope. None of you could be as good as Odysseus, but all right. Perhaps enough is enough. Let's see what you can do. And then, one by one, each of the suitors drew their bow and arrow and shot at a mark. None of them hit the bull's eye, except Odysseus. And then Odysseus said, Bring me ten axes. Penelope sat up. The axes were brought. He lined them up, boom, 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 in a row, and then shot through them, just the way he had as a youth. Penelope's eyes widened. Odysseus? Yes, that I am, said Odysseus. And then he and Telemarchus drove the other suitors out. Penelope went to Odysseus. My darling, y- you must be so tired. Here, um, I will have your bedroom made up in the west wing, yes. Um, we used to sleep in the east wing, as you know, but I've had our bed moved to the other side of the building. What? said Odysseus. You could not have moved our bed. It was built into the wall and into the ceiling and into the floor. The arms of that tree could not be moved from that spot without ruining it. Have you done that? (sighs) No, said Penelope. I just, I wanted to test you a final time to make sure that you really are Odysseus. And she embraced him. (sighs) I am so glad you were home, she said. And I am glad to be home, said Odysseus. Together, Odysseus and his family lived out the rest of their days in peace on that small little island of Ithaca, off the shores of Greece. And that is the story of the Odyssey. So... (laughs) Now that you've heard one of my favorite stories, one of my longest stories, I can share with you what it means to me. (laughs) Everybody seems to focus on different parts of the Odyssey story, 
because there's many different chapters and I've of course edited it down to my favorites but I love I love this Cyclops um, he is I don't know he's a victim and yet he's a perpetrator and he's defeated from his own greediness really and then of course you have Odysseus who he makes his mistakes as we all make mistakes I love how Athena comforts him and he remorses for the loss of his friends but then he has to move on with his own life just as with every mistake that any of us make we have to forgive ourselves forgive other people and then move on if we're gonna live our lives and I love that I love that I think it's a a good message so I hope you enjoyed my story um, if you would like to hear more of my stories then please listen to the other podcasts um, or of course you can have me come to your special event if you live in Indiana where I live and I'm very soon going to be coming out with a CD haha so that's uh, something to look forward to thank you so much for listening it's wonderful to have an audience Fantastic Fables Podcast. To find out more about Addie and her creative work, go to fantasticfables.net.